Hi, I'm Cheryl and Fenn. Hello, this is Christabel. Hello, this is Michael Horse. Do you enjoy listening to Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the podcast? Have you picked up our book yet? Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book. That has over 100 cast and crew who have contributed to this book. And it's, I think people really love it. I mean, we also have community commentary where a lot of the community have participated in this. It's just a great book. We recommend you pick it up at bluerosemag.com. Hi, I'm Cheryl and Fenn, and you're listening to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. For a millennium, the space for the hotel room existed, undefined. Mankind captured it, gave it shape, and passed through. And sometimes in passing through, they found themselves brushing up against the secret names of truth. to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me... Brian Kazaska. Hi, Brian. Hey. So, I thought we would cover David Lynch's Hotel Room, HBO miniseries that took place in 1993. Yes. I do remember briefly when this came out. I remember the, the talk I used did to watch. Did you have HBO? I don't remember. Maybe yeah. my parents did. I do remember on Entertainment Tonight or one of those magazine shows... Hmm talking about David Lynch and this hotel room, and there was a lot of press about it. I do remember, it's like that memory, I do remember about it going, wow, that sounds interesting. And that right. was it. That was the blimp on my radar. Do you, do you remember when this came out? Um, I mean, it had to be, wrapped in plastic was would have been my first experience uh, of it. Um, yeah, so you didn't watch it on HBO when it first came out? No, so I mean, I heard about it through wrapped in plastic, but I didn't have HBO, and I had to wait till it came out on VHS. I think I rented it. Yeah. So. so now that VHS copy is on YouTube. So check that out. That's how I watched it. Yeah. So this was January eighth and 9th in nineteen ninety three. So it was a two night thing that they did. They did the first two episodes uh, on the eighth, and then uh-huh. the last episode on the ninth. That makes a lot of sense because I felt that like the third episode was longer than the first two. And at first, I'm like, oh, someone just butted these together. But it makes perfect sense that 
this is how it was on the VHS, and someone just uh, and put this on YouTube. Yeah. But in the, and the quality's all right. I was calling this kind of like an anthology. The hotel room anthology. Yeah, because, the, I mean, the only thing that's the same about... Well, there's two. There's a few things that's mm-hmm. the same about each episode. One is that it's it takes place in the hotel, and, and in that exact... Same ho- room. Same room, 603. Yes. Each episode is in a different time period. There would be 1969, 1992, so which almost current, it's a year off, mm-hmm. and 1936. So which goes way back. Right. I think they saved the best. I think they saved the best for last. But mm. we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. And then uh, the only other thing is that there's two characters that don't age, and they're in every episode. The bellboy. The bellboy. And the maid. And the maid. And the maid. I don't believe she shows up in one of the episodes. I know she's in the first and second one, but I don't think she shows up in the third one at all. But it's interesting that these characters don't age, and they're always in this one room. But it it does make you think. Beyond the show, you think about going to a hotel room, how thousands upon thousands of people will go through that same room you've gone through, mm. and that room holds history. True. And it could hold mundane history. Mm. It could hold very sad history. It could hold very happy history. So there's something mysterious about a hotel room. When yeah. you think about it deeply, right. it's like, wow, you, you just don't know. Yeah, and this is kind of a cool look into that. I totally. like, I like, yeah. I like the uh, the feel and idea of this. So this is David Lynch's TV project. I mean, this was his. He commissioned Barry Guilford, who actually did the story of Wild at Heart, mm-hmm. Future Do, uh, help script Lost Highway. I so, can feel the dialogue. In yeah, 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 yeah. So it's kind of, and he's working with other people like Mary Sweeney editing it. We've got. We've got a bunch of, of Twin Peaks. The music. The music can't be that Angelo Badamente. And it's good music, too. It, it, it gives you the feels, the comfort Twin Peaks feels. Yeah. You're kind of like, yeah, this is cool. <laughs> We're a couple years after Twin Peaks, and this is uh, David's project. It's cool. And the first episode, which is called Tricks, I'll just come out and say, this was kind of my favorite one. I, I, I didn't know what was going on at first. And yeah. Wrapping my head around a lot of things. I kind of dug up some theories online, and it kind of confirmed my theory, and I want to know what you think. So, I mean, before we get into theories, let's give everybody the setup. It's about this guy, Lou. Who Who plays by Harry Dean Stanton. Who was in uh, Wild at Heart. Yes, right, and he's in, of course, Firewalk Firewalk with with Me, me. and he's going to be in the new series. Yes, he'll be in the new series, and he'll be in maybe some other Lynch films that we watch in the future. Yeah, so he's very well known in the Lynch community. He plays Lou, and he brings a lady of the night with him into the hotel. And it does take place in 1969. I don't know if that's a coincidence or what. (laughs) I think her name was Darlene, right? Yes. Lou is, like, very depressed. He just goes in this weird trance, just stares off to space. and Mm. He's like a sad sack. And then Mo comes in, and he's like this, like crazy old guy like he comes in and he he's telling stories and then all of a sudden he takes the woman he brought and has sex with her the guy that the guy that lou had brought to yeah. the room he's kind of well, like he stares into <laughs> sp- outer space i love that he's like did you pay for her yet it's like yes i did it's like all right yeah like, almost like this is horrible it's like it's like oh it's a freebie for me yeah, yeah. it's so bizarre right freddie uh, jones plays mo and Freddie Jones would be in the Elephant Man as the, the, oh, the circus that's owner. That's awesome. He, and he, he also yeah, plays. He that. also does the the voice. Uh, you know, in a while at heart, he does that like little squeaky voice or something. I mean, so he he's ah, been in a, a couple Lynch works. That's awesome. See, this is where I'll get into my theory a little bit. They talk about uh, Felicia, and 
Lou will mention Felicia as my wife, mm-hmm. and then Mo will allude to being his wife as well. And I was like, "Are these? Does these people marry the same woman? What's going on here?" And there's a mirror shot. I I didn't see a reflection of Mo. Felicia was a cheerleader too. Who's Felicia? You don't remember? You weren't listening. Arthur's mother, Felicia was Arthur's mother, driving past the cornfields of Iowa. Oh, yeah. Lou's first wife, right? No. My wife. My wife! Felicia was my wife! Not Lou's, not his. He was never even married. Does Lou strike you as the kind of a man a woman like Felicia would marry? That's a fucking joke. Lisa wouldn't even look twice at Lou. He knows that. I've had some strange chicks before, but you guys are weird. You got a game going that I ain't seen before. Game? What do you mean, game? The cops come in. What? Are you Lou's whole check? No, no. No, no, I'm not. Is this your coat? Maybe. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it must be. This is Lewis Holchek's driver's license. Lewis Holchek's credit cards. Lewis Holchek's social security card. If you're not Lewis Holchek, what are you doing with his wallet? It's him. It's his picture on the license. No, you see, Lou was Lou was here. arrest for the murder of Felicia Boca. Anything you say may be held against you as evidence in the court of law. Do you understand? Do you understand? I, yes. I mean, no, no. I don't understand. I don't. I don't understand. You, you're the killer. His wife. It was his wife. Yeah. I thought, oh, it was a split personality. It was one character the whole time. Mm-hmm. We just saw the split. Right. And that's what I would think. Yep, that's what I got out of it. So that's what that is really. What that's my theory. That's my theory too. I mean, yeah. Oh, cool. I I, I I mean, I don't know if there's anything. I mean, I can't figure out a way where he doctored it and somehow. I mean, that's what I was thinking because I was just like, okay, he's slipping. It shows him sl- taking the wallet out mm-hmm. and changing the wallet. Right. And I'm going. So this guy's a con man. He comes in. He's his friend. He's using him. He's gonna pin him for murder. This is weird. But then the whole wife thing, how they both mention the wife, then I'm like, this is bizarre. And he stare when Moe's having sex with the with the woman there, mm. Lou's just staring out of space. Yeah. Like just staring. Like he's in a trance. And it's almost like Or his other self is taking over. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So maybe he protected himself, but mm. it was just one person the whole time. And the other thing is Darlene, though, it seems to be saying I've done some I don't know how she says it. I've done kinky stuff, but you guys uh she said she does say you guys, so she seems to be as though it's more than one person, though. Yeah, but she could have said it like as in I've been with a lot of men, and you guys seem okay. to ask you right. for a weird thing. That, yeah, maybe that's. It's what a, you, I yeah. get what you're saying. Like that could be the trick, right? You're you're watching this, and when she says you guys, that it could allude to more than one person. But she could also say you guys. I've always asked for weird things as yeah. in a general broad right. guy thing. So 
that's like a little trick, right? Yeah. Because it does make you think. And she does talk to both people, mm. right? Right. She, she comes in with him, yep. but then she's with Mo, which could be Lou anyway. Right. I would have to rewatch it to see if she interacts with them at the same time. Yeah, I can't remember. But that, I, that, that but really I feel did. like she might have. She might, and I I don't know what it. Yeah. I don't think it mattered. I don't yeah. think it mattered. So that's a good. I'm glad my theory. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. all I could go with. And like, so that's this whole idea of this anthology. In some ways, it feels like almost like a Twilight Zone or mm. something like that, where it's like, that's how I got it. Yeah, Lynch and be- when Lynch does the beginning, it reminded me of Rod Sterling. Mm. Right, right. The intro uh, for a millennium, the space for the hotel room existed undefined, and it goes into the whole idea that there's this brushing up against the secret names of truth. But yeah, it's this whole kind of like yeah. we're now entering this hotel. Yes, yes. <laughs> the lives, the names and faces have been changed. Yeah. You know, this reminded me of like an art house project. Yes. More than, I don't think this is something meant for HBO. Like, I don't. It's funny because you, especially then, HBO was the one that was was daring and would do something different than yeah. what your norm was. So if, if it's not right for HBO, <laughs> where is it right? I mean it in the most respectful way for Lynch. Um, I felt like I don't know what was airing on HBO at this time for original uh, programming, mm. but I say it in this way that this was a little artsy. Mm-hmm. I felt this felt like you're watching plays. Definitely. I just don't know if that was the audience yeah. on HBO. Right. Like I feel like this is something that maybe they could have done direct to VHS, which it ended up going to anyway, yep. and getting an audience that way. But having HBO probably paid for it. Yeah. So I understand on business part, but to me this kind of was H- different. It feels like maybe I almost feel like HBO didn't know what they were getting, and when they got it, they weren't happy exactly. with it. Exactly. And that's why they decided, okay, we're gonna just burn them all off. We we paid for this. We'll just air it in two nights in a row. I and agree. Get three episodes done. And Barry Gifford had a fourth episode. A fourth episode. So I don't know if anything, if they ever actually recorded anything, filmed anything. So that tells you something. Right. To me, I think they didn't have faith in this. No. Get them out. Let people watch it. And we'll move on. Mm. Because I think they had faith in this. They would have gave it a time slot. Yep. They would have put three weeks in a row. Yeah, you would have had about a month, almost a month's worth of a show. And they, they would have a fourth one ready if yep. the ratings were good. But I think you're right. I don't think they had good faith in this because it was an odd sock. Mm. Um, but overall, I think it was great. I mean, I think it's a nice little art house project from David Lynch, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So should we get into the second one? Yeah. Probably was, my least favorite. My least favorite, too. Getting like, Rid of Robbie is the name of the title, and that's set in 1992. Like you, Ben, we try to find the gems. <laughs> try. Um, now, this was not directed by Lynch. This was not written by Gifford. So it's kind of odd because, like, so the people I think are really involved is Gifford and Lynch yeah. on this. Back in those days, especially you look at Twin Peaks, they did that all the time. You had different writers. You had different directors. But I guess I'm so, with, with culture today, I kind of like, what? You don't want the vision to stay the same? You don't want to have the same people I, involved? I, I do feel this would have went in a direction of have different people if it was something that would continue sort of like... A Twilight Zone or something. Mm, um, yeah. So this episode, my favorite parts, Marisha Hargantay from Law & Order, SVU, one of my favorite <laughs> shows. One of, I still watch SVU. And Holy Smokes, I didn't realize it was her in the beginning because I'm watching this on YouTube. The yeah. quality's not that good. I'm like, oh, my God. I know who that is. And I was like, wow. Like she, I think for me... 
she was the best actress. Mm. Um, her character was awesome. I mean, it's kind of a re- revenge story. Yeah. It reminded me of like a not so good Quentin Tarantino revenge story. <laughs> like, so there's a Quentin Tarantino film, Death Proof, where these girls are just talking in mm. the beginning part of the movie, almost a, a half an hour around the table. Wow. Just full on dialogue. And then they go to a bar and they met Kurt Russell's there. He ends up uh, winning them over and kidnapping one of them. And there's a whole chase scene with cars that goes on for a very long time. It's, it's epic. Yeah. But this reminded me of that because you have these girls, dialogue heavy, talking about this guy. He, he, he's cheating on her. It's like she wants, she's going to break up with him, but then he shows up and things get awkward. And you always get the sense that he might be seeing one of the other girls because hmm, yes. they whisper and they, I think they might even kiss on the cheek or something. And then um, she does try to bludgeon him to death. Well, th- before lives. that, he basically says that um, I'm through with you. I'm yeah, not, you're like, mean. I, I, yeah, you're mean. It's like, yeah, it, t- it takes several minutes to, for him to basically says, I don't want to be with you because you're mean. Yeah. It's like, why don't you want to be with me? The sex isn't good. My breasts aren't good. Yeah, <laughs> like just co- weird cliche. Weird yeah. th- the dialogue wasn't the best. So, and then he goes, you're the C word. I'm and, and and like she clocks him over the head, but he never says the c word. He just says, "I'm gonna call you the c word." Mm. And then the maid comes in. And- oh my god! What have you done? You know what he called me? A cunt. Well, no. But he was going to. Uh, uh, uh. Call a doctor. Somebody send a doctor to room, um, 603, please. Mm, Sasha. You really hurt me, Robert. I hurt you? Words can really hurt a person. Words. You said I wasn't nice. How can you say that I'm not a nice person? That was so incredibly cruel. Sometimes you can be so callous. When you're about to use the C word. You know how I feel about that word. Hey, if I said anything that hurt your feelings, I'm sorry. I don't want to fight anymore. Me neither. Do you mind? We're having a private conversation. This really feels out of place between the three. It's just yeah. like the other two has like through the sound and through the dialogue. It's mysterious. It's it's a little strange. This one is just pretty straightforward. It's entertaining, yeah. but it's fluff. It's you don't have to think. And I almost felt like maybe the other two are very art housey, stagey. This one maybe would appeal to a broader audience because mm. the other two might not. Maybe. 
I mean, you have three girls, one in her underwear pretty much the whole time. Yeah. It's like a soap opera. Right. But it just, it just doesn't fit for me. It doesn't belong no. in this. It, yeah. I, I don't even think it should have David Lynch's stamp. You know, like it should not be part of David Lynch's world, really. It doesn't belong here. But that... It did take place in what year? 1993. Yeah. So I kind of oh, felt- so so yeah. The, sh- the the show aired in 93, and the setting is 1992. 92. So it was kind of interesting that Lynch did the ones that took place in the past, mm. where that was more modern at the time. Right. Yeah. So it did have a modern feel. Right. And the dialogue was more maybe modern. So maybe that's why Lynch did. Nah. I mean, I like the fact they let someone else do it. Sure. I like that fact the actress is. I thought they ever did a good job. But it, yeah, it just wasn't like the strongest thing. Right. I think if you watch the first one, you get excited. Mm. Then you, you watch the second one, you're like, what? And then you have to wait for the next day to watch the third one. Yeah. And you're just you might hoping. Not come back. You might not come back. You're just hoping that third one is better. The ending. How it was so cliche. That was so cheesy. He's like, <laughs> I know we should spend more time on this. He's so laying bad. in blood, his bone blood, and he sends the maid away. He's like, I don't want to fight anymore. Me neither. And yeah. then they kiss. Uh... And he's bleeding to death. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, so they like this. I got yeah. out of this that they like this. It brings them together to yes. fight with each other Yeah. to the point of almost killing someone. Yeah. I have nothing good to say about this. I mean, like, so I guess I mean, Monty Montgomery and David Lynch was the executive producers for this show and for this episode, but I really don't feel like anything has to do with Lynch. So let's no. move on to the next one. The next one, we have a special guest. John Thorne. He is the author of The Essential Wrapped in Plastic. The godfather of Twin oh, Peaks. <laughs> John Thorne, so great to have you on the show today. Thanks very much for having me back yet again. I hope you're not getting bored of, of Oh, me. we love it. We, we'd have you on every week if we could. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. No, people would get tired of that quickly. <laughs> so we're talking about Hotel Room, that HBO miniseries that David Lynch did, and we thought we'd have you on for the last part, Blackout. What do you think of this? I actually didn't have HBO back then, and uh, I ended up seeing the show after Craig received a copy from someone, and then he made a copy for me, and I watched it on a VHS tape long, long ago. Mm. My experience of Hotel Room was all three episodes in one sitting, and I thought that might be how it aired, but did it not? Did it air in separate pieces? Yeah, I believe the first two aired together in one night, and then the very next night they aired the last Okay, That makes sense. Okay. the third third part is the longest of the three. Story in particular, this last one, was, I don't know, I can't wrap my head around it yet. I mean, Crispin Glover, uh, I think this is his, my opinion, and I have only seen a few of his performances, but I think it's one of his best. Yeah, I mean, he did great. I think he does, I mean, um, the quality on YouTube isn't that great, but the scenes were set up very picturesque, like David Lynch does. I almost felt sometimes you could just pause it, and that would be a painting mm. uh, with him and right. um, the girl next to him. And you remember Glover played Dell from uh, Wild at Heart? Do you remember that he was the— Yes, <laughs> right. Yes. He's making right. sandwiches. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and they had Alyssa Witt there as Diane. So those are the two characters. I mean, these things are kind of like a play to me. Like, you're, mm. you put these yeah. characters in this room, and they kind of just— uh, talk to each other and john all three obviously they take place in the same room Mm. but in different years right but the staff never ages 
Yes, it's really interesting, isn't yeah. it? The right. bellhop is the same guy. Yeah, uh, throughout. And then, yep. which, yeah, and then there's a woman it, too. I don't the know, maid. Maid there. Yeah. yeah, the two of them never aged. Yeah, and it it really recalls the idea. I mean, if we just think about the the overall concept of hotel room, because David Lynch does do a short, almost Rod Serling esque mm. introduction. Yeah. To to the to the whole piece, if you consider the three uh, short stories as one, uh, and he has this little monologue that he reads and talks about how there's a almost almost like a space that people pass through, but mankind built around it, or something to that effect. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah. That, that, that they sort of encapsulated this space, and it's something about the space itself, which is unnatural or supernatural or Lynchian, I guess, mm. and. And so there's something about that space which sort of exists outside of normal reality. And, of course, that recalls you know, the hotel room is the red room where mm. maybe time isn't passing. You've got these, these people like a bellhop who come in and uh, who are who you say sort of exist there at all times. Mm. Uh, and, 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 and it's a very curious thing. I think Lynch is interested in that, in that concept of, of a space a room, a mm. place that is in some ways encapsulated but endless. And don't forget there's a, there's a fascinating line from the One-Armed Man in uh, the episode right before Bob Kills Maddie episode of Twin Peaks. They're saying, where is Bob now? A large house made of wood, surrounded by trees. The house is filled with many rooms, each alike but occupied by different souls, night after night. Interesting. Lynch didn't write the dialogue, but he probably had some influence on it. It, it, it certainly, when you hear the one-armed man say those lines, it, to me, it always reminds me of Hotel Room. Mm -hmm. And Lynch's description of whatever this Hotel Room space is. So those things seem, in, to me, in some ways, connected. Hmm. But I, I started thinking about rabbits too, like that. Uh, yes. I mean, they incorporated mm, in the yeah. Empire, but it, I, I remember it from the video, uh, DavidLynch.com videos. But yeah, these characters, these rabbits that are just occupying this one room. I think it was from your from one of your issues with uh, Michael Anderson, where he was talking about the Red Room, and he's and he says, I want some context from Lynch about like well, what happened before and what happens after, and he's like, Lynch is like, there is nothing else. That is this. <laughs> That's is only, it. And, 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 and Anderson. And finally, after he did it, he's like, you know, he was right. There is no other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, uh, there's, there's, a, there's an interesting uh, – something to be studied, I think, in terms of Lynch's approach to what I guess is essentially called scenographic space. Uh, mm. The idea of, of a place that is somewhat like a stage. He loves stages and curtains mm. and he likes certain, you know – rooms to be you know to have more meaning maybe you watch the way he shoots a film sometimes you see the ceiling and the floor and the walls all at the other directors will position the camera differently so that you you're not so aware of the space but lynch seems to want to make you aware of the space and when i say that it's enclosed space often mm. there's something about that i'm i'd had you know i'm thinking out loud right now but it's something i think i might pursue and do a little research on because certainly the the visuals come to mind and Lynch's recurring you know, images of, of these stages mm. and these places that are seem to be almost positioned so that we can watch what's going on inside them. Mm. And, and yeah. that's to me something, something interesting about that. Yeah. 
It's always fascinating that Lynch really didn't have a theatrical background. I mean, he did uh, Industrial Symphony Number no. 1, but he really didn't have any theatrical background. And yet, I felt all three of these felt very much like a play. Like, yep. I was there. Yes. And th this episode 3, Blackout, was set in the year uh, 1936. We talked about the actors. Lisha Witt is interesting because she was in Dune. She was in Dune, yep. We saw that recently as a little girl. And then she was... Uh, Donna's other sister that was in like one episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she right, played, she right. played the piano and that was yeah, it. That's wow. the, all we ever got from her. Good evening. I'm Christine Haywood and I'd like to welcome you all to the Haywood Supper Club. <laughs> I'm going to be playing various selections of music for you this evening. Is, I hope this isn't spoiler for Brian here, but I nope. believe Alicia Witt is in the cast list for yes. 2017, I the new that. Twin Peaks. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. I mean, you know, he he like Lynch likes certain actors, and he goes back to them again and again. So would uh, we assume seeing... that that's Donna's sister, or could she be another character? Well, <laughs> right now I'm not making any assumptions, <laughs> especially after the Frost book. Oh, I'm just like, well, they could be anything, right? We don't right. we don't know, but I would assume. They are playing that the characters they for almost all of them. I'm not going to yeah. say that's the case for all of them, but right. uh, the majority of them are going to reprise their roles. Yeah. So, yeah. but anyway, yes. Yeah, so he he said he's playing with a couple of favorites there. Definitely. So there's Danny and Diane, and and uh, they're at the hotel. And it's black. It's a blackout. There's no lights working. And and Danny goes to go get some Chinese food, and uh, he, he comes back, and and there's Diane. You know what an expression is, Danny. Don't try to fool me. Well, I, the last thing I'd try to do is fool you, sweetheart. You know that I, I care more for you than anything in the world. There's fooling around, and then there's trying to fool. Fooling around's what we always done best, I don't you think? You still like to fool around with your old... Danny, don't you? <laughs> Even after all these years. It has been a long time. Hasn't it, Danny? What is wrong with Diane? What do you, can you guys explain to me? I, I, <laughs> I don't know. This was probably my hardest one to wrap my head around because at some points I'm not sure if if she's saying daddy, dad, or hmm. Danny. Danny. I, think, I, think I, she's saying, I think she's saying Danny. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. pretty sure. <clears throat> so we'll put that theory to bed because I okay. was like, did she say dad? And like if so, I'm watching this on YouTube, so the quality, yeah. the audio quality isn't the best. Okay, they're obviously a couple. Is she afraid of the dark? Because when the bellhop is in, she has her hands in front of her eyes mm. the entire time. But maybe she's afraid of other people. And then he's just explaining his how he got the Chinese food <laughs> and getting into detail about that. And then she goes off in her own story and <coughs> I yes. don't know. Like, I'm, is she having a mental breakdown, and you brought her to this hotel to like break her out of it, or you know, what do well, you guys? Going to, she is going to see a doctor. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking. Like, she's in yeah. this like me this mental state of uh, shock of some sort. 
I don't know. Yeah. What do you got? I mean, what's I, what's the theories I, you guys have? I got stuff, but I don't know. If we, we, I'd like to hear what John has to say. Yeah, John. Uh, well, it, that's a tough one. It really is. I think um, it, it's well, I say it's fairly obvious, but you never say that about Lynch. But mm-hmm. here I am saying it. That she, uh, Diane, is afflicted in some way. Mm. There's something wrong with her. She's had a breakdown, perhaps, mm. of some sort. Something has happened in her past, which is what the dialogue will begin to reveal as the story progresses, that there, there's been some tragic event uh, probably in her life, and maybe in both of their lives. We, we really can't quite decipher exactly what it is, but we can make mm. some good, educated guesses. But she um, is damaged, uh, mm. probably damaged emotionally, and so um, she isn't quite herself, I guess. I want to say normal, but you know that's not the right way to say it. So, and so he, it seems Danny, is, is trying his best to find something that will restore her to her former self. And so that's really in the most general way we can, we can describe it right now because mm. it's, it's, it, we can't say definitively what – What's going on? But there is she is troubled. Let's say that she's yeah. troubled and she's she's struggling with a lot of baggage. I'm just gonna tear the whole thing off and just do it, Ben. Well, I mean, so the characters talk and they seem to be talking about this and that, and they're not always hearing each other, and they're not always yeah. You know, they, they seem to have trouble communicating. Right? So I mean, to ruin the whole episode, you finally get at him that they lost a child. Ben Bug drowned, didn't he? Yes, honey, he did. Do you recall how it happened? You and me was in an intimate way down on the shore like Osage. We thought the boy was asleep, but he got up, went into the water without making any sound we could hear. By the time we found him, he was gone. It was a long time ago. Two years. Not so long. It's a good thing that you could talk about it, though, Di. If he couldn't, I'd probably lose you all together. They lost their son. He, he drowned while they were intimate. And Danny talks about they haven't been intimate since. Oh, okay. And yeah, so yeah. I feel like this whole darkness represents their relationship, that they're kind of in the dark with each other, and they're, they're having trouble communicating with each other. And it's all because of this trauma mm. of their loss of their child. And I think they, they're both dealing with the guilt in their own, in their own way. Near the end there... I have to admit... I've been feeling a little desperate as of late. It's a damn hard thing to take feeling useless. You don't have a useless bone in your body, Danny. I'll tell everyone we know. If it weren't so damn hot, I'd kiss you. Kiss me anyway. Danny kisses Diane, and all of a sudden the lights go on, 
And it, to me, it's kind of like this might be the first steps to their relationship healing. I felt like wow. I felt like it was kind of like wow. But I feel like they really made a breakthrough. I did get that whole light, like something, like something happened there. But that's a. I like that theory, Ben. I, I think it's. Uh... I, I I do too. I, I hadn't quite thought about it. I mean, I think you, you're getting closer, maybe, mm. to a, a more you know solid reading of it. Uh, I, I did see the idea, you know, that there was a blackout, and the blackout was metaphorical for uh, maybe they had um, maybe there was part of their memory that had been blacked out. You know, they they couldn't remember mm. something, or they were struggling with something, or they were unconscious, and this was a, this was sort of a dream feel to it and then when the lights come on they wake up and they seem to almost have different personalities almost mm. uh, after the kid the light comes on they're both joyous yeah and they both turn to the light which is such a lynchian thing right <laughs> to have faces turn toward the light yep. it also reminded me of the final scene or close to final scene of Mulholland Drive yeah. where where the two women turn and look out over the city, which mm. is what uh, apparently Danny uh, and Diane are doing. They're looking out on the lit up city. But there is something, there's obviously something fairly um, overt about the the light coming on. And it does come on as soon as he kisses her. Mm, so there yeah. is, the, Lynch is trying to convey something occurred, something transformative happened mm. in that moment. But I, and I like, I really like your reading that maybe the both of them have been struggling over something mm. and not being not being connected properly and then they they make a physical connection the lights come on so there there is that's a that's a nice reading of it but i still think it's hard to know exactly what it is that they're trying to resolve mm. we don't know exactly what because obviously there is this uh, issue with the uh, with the lost child, and mm. um, that's fairly obvious what happened because they say it. But although there could be alternative readings, what happened with this mm. this lost child? But then they talk about a friend who was killed as well. Mm. What was the friend? It's sort of a weird name, Rinky Dink, or something like yeah, that, right? Right. And this friend who was killed uh, in a in a car at, or, a, or a road accident or, or something, right? It was uh, hit by a car. Or was on a bike, or I forget now. I just watched it last night. The other so one I was apologize. a snake bite. What was that? No, that was another thing. That was oh, that was the yeah. other friends that Danny had who right. he had been uh, served with in the military, and he'd come back and he recounts that story of how he went. But that's boy, that that could mean a lot. But mm. curious about that, they come back again and again to this friend Rinky Dink who was killed, and and then you find out a little later that maybe Diane was in the car when he was killed hmm. because she says I was in the back seat of the car and at some point now again um you you maybe you can you can start putting the pieces together in different ways but they obviously talk about the death of two other people hmm. a, a rinky dink a, a friend of theirs a, a contemporary of of theirs as a as a couple and then also uh the friend uh, that danny has from his military days uh also dies of a snake bite hmm. and and dies because he was unaware, I guess, that he had been bitten by a snake, and mm. it was too late for, for the the doctors to to take action once they realized what the what the cause of, of his illness was. So, anyway, yeah, those are the two other deaths. So there's three deaths in their back backstories mm. that resonate around them, and I 
wonder how much of those are perhaps metaphors for something else, maybe related to the child. It's open. I, I will not say I know what's happening. There. Right. <laughs> but I think it's important to wow. focus on those. Yeah. And that's, those maybe that's what I love about it, too, because it is so <laughs> mysterious and it's and it's like it is so dark in there. And the focus is just on these the lit up of these two characters. Yeah. And to me, it's, it's a beautiful work of art there. So Barry Gifford uh, wrote this and I think he wrote the first episode and he basically is involved with, with, with the show. He does Lost Highway, helps write the script with Lynch, and he, you know, wrote the original story for uh, Wild at Heart. Oh, but nice. I, I think maybe that's why I'm like I really like his writing style, at least for, especially with Lost Highway, and I can definitely see it here mm. as well. Yeah, there was a there was a strong uh, collaborative time there uh, in the '90s mm. where Lynch was working with Barry Gifford quite a bit. I mean, yeah, he obviously adapted Lynch adapted Wild at Heart, and I'm not sure if Gifford had anything to do with the screenplay mm. to Wild at Heart, but they were obviously you know exchanging notes to some extent, right? There was some yeah. there was some collaborative effort there. And then Lynch apparently requests uh, that Gifford write these short plays. He basically, Lynch sort of contracts <laughs> uh, Gifford to... Yeah, commissions, uh, is it would be? Commission, essentially, yeah, yeah to, to, to write. And I think there were actually four yeah. plays, only three of which were ever filmed. And we should mention that the second one, uh, Lynch did not direct of mm. the three. So he only directed the first and the third, whether he would have directed that fourth... I don't know. I, I believe those scripts might be available in print form. I think they might have been yep. released as a book. Yeah. Oh, wow. uh, and so you can get all of all four. And they were commissioned with Lynch in mind. Gifford wrote them, but how much did he, he write them you know, passing notes back and forth with Lynch? Mm. And how much did Lynch say, this is kind right. of what I want to explore? So we don't, I don't know that. Um, it may be some on Lynch on Lynch on that. But So yeah, so that's what Gifford did. And then, of course, Gifford after that goes on to write the screenplay for Lost Highway. So in that mm. time frame there in the 90s, uh, Lynch is collaborating with Gifford a, a lot. So there was a, a strong um, creative connection there. And Monty Montgomery was a, a executive producer. So that the cowboy from Mulholland Drive. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, I, I was thinking about this today. This is actually technically the last, I think, David Lynch TV show. I mean, he was working on Mulholland Drive as a TV show. This is 1993. I don't think he ever did come out with any other TV shows. No. And, I, and at the time, I remember when this came on, again, and I did not have HBO, but yeah. I remember that it was happening. And, I, and of course, if you look at the credits, there's quite a few uh, people, uh, creative uh, behind-the-scenes people uh, working on Hotel Room who worked on uh, Twin Peaks as mm. well. You've got Joanna Ray as the casting. Mm. You've got Patty Norris uh, and a couple of other people I recognized. Um, and, of course, Bad Lamente doing the music. And so yeah. what oh, was happening music. then was Lynch was – yeah, he was – Lynch was coming – it seemed Lynch was coming back to TV. Mm. Uh, at first, we thought, well, these might be – episodes and here he is with this creative team again and he's doing short essentially anthology work but with an umbrella idea over it and so it was a thrilling time i remember thinking well maybe lynch is going to come back to tv but then you know it, it sort of boom it was gone nothing came of it i don't know what happened why they didn't pursue you know 10 more episodes of hotel room but it didn't happen yeah. yeah, the '90s were a weird time. I mean, yeah. he he came <laughs> off of a real high after Twin Peaks and the and the Palm Door for Wild at Heart, and mm. then a real low after Firewalk with Me. And it took a while. Uh, so he was just sort of, I won't say spinning his wheel. I think there were all kinds of things popping out of his head in yeah. those, mm. those mid early '90s. But it wasn't until Lost Highway that things started, you know, getting back on track again. Mm. 
Well, thank you, John. I think this is good. Yeah. I mean, this is great to just talk about this. And I, like, I, I don't even think I told you this, Brian, but this, Blackout was the only one I like out of the three. But oh, I, really? I really wanted to go through it because we're, I know the way the show is going, we're going to get to Lost Highway pretty soon. So I mm-hmm. thought it would be interesting to talk about this and have, you know, with Barry Gifford, see where we're going. So, so John, what was your favorite out of the three? Of a hotel room? Um, yeah. You know, as I recall, so I only watched Blackout last night. Uh, but if you had asked me yesterday before I watched Blackout, I remember thinking, oh, it was the third episode, which was the strong episode. Mm. That's how I remembered it. And mm. that's why I even said to Ben yesterday when we were just – I just randomly asked Ben, are you guys going to do Hotel Room? And he goes, yeah, tomorrow. You want to – do you want to be on? I'm like, well, I can't watch Hotel Room in that amount of time. Maybe uh, I can watch the last episode is what yeah. I said. I remember the last episode was sort of the, the key episode. I just right. forgot it was still an hour long. That to me I think was – was the stronger performances, maybe the stronger writing. Uh, there, it is a very simple story with a, not much. There's not a lot of, you know, it's just their faces in, in darkness, really. Mm. So there's, uh, there's not a lot of, you know, elaborate Lynch set pieces and, and crazy stuff going on. Although there is that, there is some interesting sound effects in there. Mm. Thunder and the train yeah, coming the by. Train. Uh, the train. And, and those, those sound effects, I think, underscore certain emotional moments between them. And I think yeah. that that's very important to look at mm. uh, in terms of what Lynch is conveying uh, as the mood is changing and as the conversation and connection between them is evolving. The sound effects are underscoring. Mm. I remember the first one was really good, too. Of course, Lynch directed that. I remember the second one leaving me just a little yeah. a, a little cold, but I was probably expecting it to match my expectations of what mm. Lynch does. Yep. And it's probably a fine episode, probably really good. And Barry Gifford uh, like, actually didn't uh, write that episode, the second episode. So it's kind of oh, funny he that did? Yeah. it's a whole okay. new person. Yeah, it's a whole other, so it's kind of yeah. funny that both Lynch and Barry Gifford, who I kind of think hold this whole show together, they're both kind of like, "We're not going to do this. One. We'll give it to somebody else to do." And it's like, okay. <laughs> but I almost felt like if this show had continued, Maybe. we would have got different people to do different episodes. Yeah. To really make it different. Right. You know. I think yeah, and I think Lynch's idea was that this hotel room, this specific room, six oh three, which by by the way, I think uh, that uh, Sailor and Lula stay in uh, in room 603 in a motel. Uh-huh. I, I'm pretty sure. Uh, <laughs> so there's something about the number. That adds up to nine. I, I always thought the numbers were supposed to add up to seven. Everybody tells me, you know, you look at the numbers. They add up to something. And I'm like, well, they always seem to add up to something different. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there was something about that to Lynch, that idea. Again, getting back to the idea of spaces. And I think had this series actually been something that had multiple episodes over multiple seasons, we mm. would have explored this space and its effect on its occupants. It would mm. have been something that other directors could have and writers perhaps could have come in and played in that world that Lynch was sort of loosely establishing for them. Yeah, yeah definitely. You know. Cool. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned the sound. Uh, the train was a powerful sound. Actually, the name of the hotel is the Railroad Hotel. Yeah. And the running thing is every episode, there's the train pictures in the room, Mm. pictures of the trains. And in the first one, you see the picture of the train and you hear the train. Mm -hmm. And the second Mm. one, I don't think it's as prominent because it's kind of a different feel story. But in this one, yet again, you hear the train. Mm -hmm. But it's dark. You don't really see the pictures. But those train photos are in every – one. I yeah. think they did the best job, though, in the blackout, using the sounds to yeah. convey this atmosphere and this feeling that these characters are going through. Yeah. You know, Lynch does say in that opening monologue, For a millennium, 
the space for the hotel room existed, undefined. Mankind captured it, gave it shape, and passed through. And sometimes in passing through, they found themselves brushing up against the secret names of truth. See, that's, see, that's what's beautiful for it one beautiful. thing. Yeah, I mean, that's so, that, that just really encapsulates a lot of what Lynch is interesting. The space existed before there were walls around it. There's something yeah, on, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, and they, Space and so, for the hotel room existed, undefined. Yeah. Undefined, but then they defined some, you know, that somehow mm. they, they placed some definition around it. And I like the idea of just passing through. Mm. It's no wonder it's named the Railroad <laughs> Hotel <laughs> right. because like a train you got passing a, through. a train passes through. It's mm. almost like the people are passing through. There's some potential connection there with that yeah. imagery. Fascinating opening statement by Lynch. Some of those ideas permeate his other works. It's so good. I like the visuals too and you have these visuals of, you know, they're going to the door and then I think it, is it turned white and you see like shadows of characters go entering this room? I, hmm. they, they have these interesting concepts and it, I think if they had more time to develop it, I think the show really could have become something. In the ending, the ending credits are them, are those two people standing in this gigantic white with mm -hmm. white light yeah. space facing them, and they almost look alien-like, you mm -hmm. know? They, mm -hmm. Their bodies are skinny, and you can almost make out eyes and stuff, but, yeah, it's interesting. interesting. Yeah. It would be nice if uh, this work somehow could get uh, remastered and re-released, you know, mm -hmm. so we could appreciate some of the, the those. There may be some nuance there that we can't see. I watched it on YouTube as well, yeah, and it yeah. was just like watching it through muddy water. <laughs> yeah, it really like, was. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, luckily it, it's fairly minimal with the with the imagery. Again, we have just these sort of lit faces in a dark room, but there might be some other elements there that, that we missed that mm, yeah. um, uh, have meaning. So maybe someday, you know, we'll see that. I don't know. I don't know if there's a big clamor for Hotel Room on Blu-ray. But, but you know, maybe Twin Peaks takes off. Maybe people want everything David Lynch. I mean, like... You know, and I'll tell you, I, boy, if we could uh, do On the Air. If we could get yes. On the Air in Blu-ray, so that would said. be a wonderful thing. So did you hear <laughs> yeah. that Mark Frost, I mean, he, so he's now said this twice. Yeah. Uh, I've found it in different places that he says that they're talking about putting it into season three Blu-ray uh, of Twin Peaks. Hmm. I, I did hear something about that. Yeah. I find that a little bit curious. I'm not sure what, I guess it would be some sort of strange bonus disc. You know, you get, you get this. Right. Uh, would, and that would be fine. It would be wonderful. I would, I, but I would buy it by itself. Yeah, I mean, yeah me I too. I figured there's maybe, not enough yeah. people was, interested in it. So Yeah, me and uh, Ben and myself were chatting about that. <laughs> and, you know, Ben mentioned, well, it would be great if they just put it out. Why make it an extra? And I, if you look at a business standpoint, though, I don't think a lot of people are clamoring for this. And Blu-ray no. is very expensive. Right, but if right. you can just put this in, like say season three yeah. comes out and people are lukewarm, but mm -hmm. you attach this that people have been really wanting, mm. it's going to yeah. sell. And then season three is really great. Oh, wow, <laughs> you get an extra bonus. So I yeah. think it's a win-win because they could put this on Blu-ray and maybe, maybe a couple hundred people buy it. And they don't make their money back, you know. 
I feel like this is just, I think this is just makes perfect sense. Yeah, it would be whatever way it, it, hopefully it will come out because I think in some ways, I know you guys probably can do a whole separate show on, on the air. Oh yeah. And so we won't talk about it forever, but it is really in in many ways, it's an epilogue to Twin Peaks. It doesn't have any thematic connection really, but it it was, it was Frost and Lynch and some of the cast Hmm. working together on another television show. So, I mean, you can't, you can't ignore it when you study Twin Peaks. It's, 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 it's a little little sort of blip off there that it's still important. At some point, I'm going to put up on my blog an episode guide, which we did in Wrapped in Plastic, and, and collect up all the interview material I have. It's not a lot, but we talked uh, fairly good length uh, with Miguel Ferrer mm. about the show and Robert Engels, who co-wrote a number of the episodes. So yeah. I, I'm going to somehow collate that and put it up. I think it'd be kind of neat to have yeah. somewhere down the line. Yeah, the 25th you know, the, anniversary is this summer, so it's, uh, it's, oh, you know, it's coming up. Okay. So that's... We'll, we'll maybe you have to come back for that yeah, show. Yeah, we'll have, have you back on. Yeah, you have to do uh, yeah. our on-the-air show. <laughs> I would love to talk about on-the-air. It's yeah. such an amazing thing. Get Ian <laughs> Buchanan to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> talk to him about that. That would be great. It's awesome. <laughs> he was the star. He was yeah, the he star was. of the show. Yep. So. yep. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it excites me that Mark Frost, Lisa, saying he's wa- rewatching these on the air with his son, and that they've redone them, and so they're there, and it's now just a matter of you know. Hopefully when will put- they come out? Right. Yeah. There's some Lynch works out there that got it come out on blu-ray I mean, where's elephant man yeah and, that's a classic uh, oh man you I know i i think straight story is not out on blu-ray right, right? we gotta right. get those you yes i mean be i love lost They're highway important. i waited forever for it to come on dvd for the longest time lost highway was just available on vhs and they finally put it on dvd and it's like okay i like mm. it on blu-ray now hello <laughs> yeah right 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 uh, maybe you know they did Mulholland drive for criterion and maybe we're waiting maybe criterion takes they take their time maybe yeah. they're like you know what yeah. we're gonna do lost highway we're gonna do straight story we're gonna get lynch involved to some uh, you know extent right. after twin peaks is kind of maybe they're waiting i did it'd be great criterion right. Oh, be wonderful. Next month is the 20th anniversary of Lost Highway. So, I mean, like, it would be a perfect time to put out It would Blu-ray be. A... Fingers crossed, Ben. Yes. Thank All you. Right. Thanks, John. All right. We, you we... bet. So thank you, John Thorne, for being on today's show. Brian, you said you would tell us which one was your favorite episode. I, I do like the first one's my favorite. Yeah, yeah. I like the did first one. you say one. that? You did yep. already tell yep. us but that. I do like the first one, and uh, I'd say that's the third one definitely probably – my second favorite. Yeah. Um, I think I like it more now that I heard your theory. Is there a connection between talking about fish and talking about a guy getting bit by a snake? Is there some kind of connection? Mm. And it's it's still one of those things. I think that's what John was getting at, too, that like you could keep looking at this and see different theories. Overall, you could just say your theory and John's theory, you put them together, you can just say it's the loss of so many things. Mm-hmm. And that's the darkness. And yeah. they were lost in that darkness together. Right. And they came somewhere to maybe um, that's not that's away from home to rekindle rekindle a relationship. Yeah. But guess what? They're physically in darkness. Uh huh. But then they kiss and the light comes on physically. I think we see that physically on the the thing, but it represents their right. life. I also liked, which we kind of touched upon, was that when after they, they were in the light, they go look out that window and they see the whole city is lit up. And so I think, in a way, like I feel, a spotlight. But I feel like the, the not only they they they're in the light, but they can see the whole world is a better place. Maybe the place isn't as bad as you think. Exactly because yeah. of all that loss they had. Yeah, they could say, you know, life ain't so bad. Yeah, we can do it together. Maybe it was that kiss. That's all it takes. That's all it takes <laughs> is a kiss. 
Every kiss begins with a K. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no advertising on this show. <laughs> Nobody paid me to say <laughs> That's that. That's right. So, Ben, uh, where can everybody find us? We can be found on TwinPeaksUnwrapped.com. We can find us on Twitter at Twin Peaks Unwrap. Yes. On Facebook. Twin you, Peaks Unwrapped. And uh, you can always uh, email us at TwinPeaksUnwrapped at gmail.com. Get us on iTunes. Subscribe. Give us that five-star review. Leave us a comment. And also, join us on Reddit. We're on the Twin Peaks community on Reddit. So with that, see you next week.